On Modesty, Part 3, by Tertullian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. But these passages, says our opponent, will pertain to the interdiction of all immodesty and the enforcing of all modesty, yet without prejudice to the place of pardon, which pardon is not forthwith quite denied when sins are condemned, since the time of the pardon is concurrent with the condemnation which it excludes. This piece of shrewdness on the part of the psychics was naturally sequent, and accordingly we have reserved for this place the cautions which, even in the times of antiquity, were openly taken with a view to the refusing of ecclesiastical communion to cases of this kind. For even in the Proverbs, which we call Paomia, Solomon specially treats of the adulterer as being nowhere admissible to expiation. But the adulterer, he says, through indulgence of senses, acquireth perdition to his own soul, sustaineth the laws and disgraces. His ignominy, moreover, shall not be wiped away from the age, for indignation, full of jealousy, will not spare the man in the day of judgment. If you think this said about a heathen, at all events about believers, you have already heard it said through Isaiah. Go out from the midst of them, and be separate, and touch not the impure. You have, at the very outset of the Psalms, blessed the man who hath not gone astray in the counsel of the impious, nor stood in the way of sinners, and sat in the state chair of pestilence, whose voice withal is heard subsequently. I have not sat with the conclave of vanity, and with them who act iniquitously, I will not enter. This has to do with the church, of such as act ill, and with the impious will I not sit, and I will wash with the innocent mine hands, and thine altar will I surround, Lord. As being a host in himself, inasmuch as indeed with an holy man, holy thou wilt be and with an innocent man, innocent thou wilt be, and with an elect, elect thou wilt be, and with a perverse, perverse thou wilt be. And elsewhere, but to the sinner, saith the Lord, why expoundest thou my righteous acts, and takest up my testament through thy mouth? If thou sawest a thief, thou rannest with him, and with adulterers thy portion thou madest. Deriving his instructions, therefore, from hence, the apostle too says, I wrote to you in the epistle not to be mingled up with fornicators, not, of course, with the fornicators of this world, and so forth, else it behoved you to go out from the world. But now I write to you, if any is named a brother among you, being a fornicator or an idolater, for what so intimately joined, or a defrauder, for what so near akin, and so on, with such to take no food even, not to say the Eucharist, because to wit withal a little leaven spoileth the flavour of the whole lump. Again to Timotheus, lay hands on no one hastily, nor communicate with others' sins. Again to the Ephesians, be not then partners with them, for ye were at one time darkness. And yet more earnestly, communicate not with the unfruitful works of darkness, nay, rather with all convict them. For the things which are done by them in secrecy, it is disgraceful even to utter." What more disgraceful than immodesties? If, moreover, even from a brother who walketh idly, 
he warns the Thessalonians to withdraw themselves, how much more withal from a fornicator? For these are the deliberate judgments of Christ, loving the church, who hath delivered himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, purifying her utterly by the laver of water in the word that he may present the church to himself glorious, not having stain or wrinkle, of course, after the laver, but that she may be holy and without reproach, therefore, to wit, being without wrinkle as a virgin, without stain of fornication as a spouse, without disgrace of vileness, as having been utterly purified. What if, even here, you should conceive to reply that communion is indeed denied to sinners, very especially such as had been polluted by the flesh, but only for the present, to be restored to wit as the result of penitential suing, in accordance with that clemency of God which prefers a sinner's repentance to his death? For this fundamental ground of your opinion must be universally attacked. We say accordingly that if it had been competent to the divine clemency to have guaranteed the demonstration of itself even to the post-baptismally lapsed, the apostle would have said thus, Communicate not with the works of darkness, unless they shall have repented, and with such take not food even, unless after they shall have wiped with rolling at their feet the shoes of the brethren, and him who shall have marred the temple of God shall God mar, unless he shall have taken off from his head in the church the ashes of all hearths. For it had been his duty in the case of those things which he had condemned, to have equally determined the extent to which he had, and that conditionally condemned them, whether he had condemned them with a temporary and conditional, and not a perpetual severity. However, since in all epistles he both prohibits such a character, so sinning after believing, from being admitted to the society of believers, and, if admitted, detrudes him from communion, without hope of any condition or time. He sides more with our opinion, pointing out that the repentance which the Lord refers is that which, before believing, before baptism, is esteemed better than the death of the sinner. The sinner, I say, once for all to be washed through the grace of Christ, who once for all has suffered death for our sins. For this rule, even in his own person, the apostle has laid down. For when affirming that Christ came for this end, that he might save sinners of whom himself had been the first, what does he add? And I obtained mercy because I did so ignorantly in unbelief. Thus that clemency of God, preferring the repentance of a sinner to his death, looks at such as are ignorant still, and still unbelieving for the sake of whose liberation Christ came, not at such as already know God and have learnt the sacrament of the faith. But if the clemency of God is applicable to such as are ignorant still, and unbelieving, of course, it follows that repentance invites clemency to itself, without prejudice to that species of repentance after believing, which either for lighter sins will be able to obtain pardon from the bishop, or else for greater and irremissible ones from God only. But how far are we to treat of Paul, since even John appears to give some secret countenance to the opposite side, as if in the Apocalypse he has manifestly assigned to fornication the auxiliary aid of repentance, where to the angel of the Thyatirenes the spirit sends a message that he hath against him, 
that he kept in communion the woman jezebel who calleth herself a prophet and teacheth and seduceth my servants unto fornicating and eating of idle sacrifices and i gave her bounteously a space of time that she might enter upon repentance nor is she willing to enter upon it on the count of fornication behold i will give her into a bed and her adulterers with herself into greatest pressure unless they shall have repented of her works i am content with the fact that between apostles there is a common agreement in rules of faith and of discipline for whether it be i says paul or they thus we preach accordingly it is material to the interest of the whole sacrament to believe nothing conceded by john which has been flatly refused by paul this harmony of the holy spirit whoever observes shall by him be conducted into his meaning for the angel of the thyatiring church was secretly introducing into the church and urging justly to repentance an heretical woman who had taken upon herself to teach what she had learnt from the nicolaitans for who has a doubt that an heretic deceived by a spurious baptismal rite upon discovering his mischance and expiating it by repentance both attains pardon and is restored to the bosom of the church whence even among us as being on a par with an heathen nay even more than heathen an heretic likewise such an one is purged through the baptism of truth from each character and admitted to the church or else if you are certain that that woman had after a living faith subsequently expired and turned heretic in order that you may claim pardon as the result of repentance not as it were for an heretical but as it were for a believing sinner let her i grant repent but with the view of ceasing from adultery not however in the prospect of restoration to church fellowship as well for this will be a repentance which we too acknowledge to be due much more than you do but which we reserve for pardon to god in short this apocalypse in its later passages has assigned the infamous and fornicators as well as the cowardly and unbelieving and murderers and sorcerers and idolaters who have been guilty of any such crime while professing the faith to the lake of fire without any conditional condemnation for it will not appear to savour of a bearing upon heathens since it has just pronounced with regard to believers they who shall have conquered shall have this inheritance and i will be to them a god and they to me for sons and so has subjoined but to the cowardly and unbelieving and infamous and fornicators and murderers and sorcerers and idolaters shall be a share in the lake of fire and sulphur which lake is the second death thus too again blessed they who act according to the precepts that they may have power over the tree of life and over the gates for entering into the holy city dogs sorcerers fornicators murderers out of course such as do not act according to the precepts for to be sent out is the portion of those who have been within moreover what have i to do to judge them who are without had preceded the sentences now in question from the epistle also of john they forthwith cull a proof it is said the blood of his son purifieth us utterly from every sin always then and in every form we will sin if always and from every sin he utterly purifies us or else if not always not again after believing and if not from sin not again from fornication but what is the point whence john has started 
he has predicated God to be light, and that darkness is not in him, and that we lie if we say that we have communion with him and walk in darkness. If, however, he says we walk in light, we shall have communion with him, and the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord purifieth us utterly from every sin. Walking then in the light, do we sin? And sinning in the light, shall we be utterly purified? By no means. For he who sins is not in the light, but in darkness. Whence too he points out the mode in which we shall be utterly purified from sin, by walking in the light, in which sin cannot be committed. Accordingly, the sense in which he says we are utterly purified is not in so far as we sin, but in so far as we do not sin. For walking in the light, but not having communion with darkness, we shall act as they that are utterly purified, sin not being quite laid down, but not being wittingly committed. For this is the virtue of the Lord's blood, that such as it has already purified from sin, and thenceforward has set in the light, it renders thenceforward pure, if they shall continue to persevere walking in the light. But he subjoins, you say, if we say that we have not sinned, we are seducing ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, faithful and just is he to remit them to us, and utterly purify us from every unrighteousness. Does he say from impurity? No. Or else, if that is so, then he utterly purifies us from idolatry too. But there is a difference in the sense. For see yet again, if we say, he says that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. All the more fully, little children, these things I have written to you, lest ye sin. And if ye shall have sinned, an advocate we have with God the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. According to these words, you say, it will be admitted both that we sin and that we have pardon. What then will become of your theory when proceeding with the epistle? I find something different. For he affirms that we do not sin at all, and to this end he treats at large, that he may make no such concession, setting forth that sins have been once for all deleted by Christ, not subsequently to obtain pardon, in which statement the sense requires us to apply the statement to an admonition to chastity. Every one, he says, who hath this hope, maketh himself chaste, because he too is chaste. Every one who doeth sin, doeth with all iniquity, and sin is iniquity. And ye know that he hath been manifested to take away sins, henceforth, of course, to be no more incurred, if it is true, as it is, that he subjoins, Every one who abideth in him sinneth not, every one who sinneth, neither hath seen nor knoweth him. Little children, let none seduce you. Every one who doeth righteousness is righteous, as he with all is righteous. He who doeth sin is of the devil, inasmuch as the devil sinneth from the beginning. For unto this end was manifested the Son of God, to undo the works of the devil. For he has undone them withal, by setting man free through baptism, the handwriting of death having been made a gift of to him. And accordingly, he who is being born of God doeth not sin, because the seed of God abideth in him, and he cannot sin, because he hath been born of God. Herein are manifest the sons of God and the sons of the devil. Wherein? Except it be thus, the former, by not sinning, from the time that they were born from God, the latter, by sinning, because they are from the devil, just as if they were never born from God. But if he says, He who is not righteous is not of God, 
how shall he who is not modest again become a son of god who has already ceased to be so it is therefore nearly equivalent to saying that john has forgotten himself asserting in the former part of his epistle that we are not without sin but now prescribing that we do not sin at all and in the one case flattering us somewhat with hope of pardon but in the other asserting with all stringency that whoever may have sinned are no sons of god but away with the thought for not even we ourselves forget the distinction between sins which was the starting point of our digression and a right distinction it was for john has here sanctioned it in that there are some sins of daily committal to which we are all liable for who will be free from the accident of either being angry unjustly or retaining his anger beyond sunset or else even using manual violence or else carelessly speaking evil or else rashly swearing or else forfeiting his plighted word or else lying from bashfulness or necessity in businesses in official duties in trade in food in sight in hearing by how great temptations are we plied so that if there were no pardon for such sins as these salvation would be unattainable to any of these then there will be pardon through the successful suppliant of the father christ but there are too the contraries of these as the graver and destructive ones such as are incapable of pardon murder idolatry fraud apostasy blasphemy and of course too adultery and fornication and if there be any other violation of the temple of god for these christ will no more be the successful pleader these will not at all be incurred by one who has been born of god who will cease to be the son of god if he do incur them thus john's rule of diversity will be established arranging as he does a distinction of sins while he now admits and now denies that the sons of god sin for in making these assertions he was looking forward to the final clause of his letter and for that final clause he was laying his preliminary bases intending to say in the end more manifestly if any knoweth his brother to be sinning a sin not unto death he shall make request and the lord shall give life to him who sinneth not unto death for there is a sin unto death not concerning that do i say that one should make a request he too as i have been was mindful that jeremiah had been prohibited by god to deprecate himself on behalf of a people which was committing mortal sins every unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin unto death but we know that every one who hath been born of god sinneth not to wit the sin which is unto death thus there is no course left for you but either to deny that adultery and fornication are mortal sins or else to confess them irremissible for which it is not permitted even to make successful intercession the discipline therefore of the apostles properly so called indeed instructs and determinately directs as a principal point the overseer of all sanctity as regards the temple of god to the universal eradication of every sacrilegious outrage upon modesty without any mention of restoration i wish however redundantly to superadd the testimony likewise of one particular comrade of the apostles a testimony aptly suited for confirming by most proximate right the discipline of his masters for there is extant withal an epistle to the hebrews under the name of barnabas a man sufficiently accredited by god as being one whom paul has stationed next to himself in the uninterrupted observance of abstinence 
or else I alone and Barnabas, have not we the power of working? And of course the epistle of Barnabas is more generally received among the churches than that apocryphal shepherd of adulterers, warning accordingly the disciples to omit all first principles and strive rather after perfection, and not lay again the foundations of repentance from the works of the dead. He says, For impossible it is, that they who have once been illuminated, and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have participated in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the word of God, and found it sweet, when they shall, their age already setting, have fallen away, should be again recalled unto repentance, crucifying again for themselves the Son of God, and dishonouring him. For the earth which hath drunk the rain often descending upon it, and hath borne grass, apt for them on whose account it is tilled withal, attaineth God's blessing. But if it bring forth thorns, it is reprobate, and nighest to cursing, whose end is doomed unto utter burning. He who learnt this from apostles, and taught it with apostles, never knew of any second repentance promised by apostles to the adulterer and fornicator. For excellently was he wont to interpret the law, and keep its figures even in the dispensation of the truth itself. It was with a reference, in short, to this species of discipline, that the caution was taken in the case of the leper. But if the speckled appearance shall have become efflorescent over the skin, and shall have covered the whole skin from the head, even unto the feet, through all the visible surface, then the priest, when he shall have seen, shall utterly cleanse him, since he hath wholly turned into white, he is clean. But on the day that there shall have been seen in such an one quick colour, he is defiled. The law would have the man who is wholly turned from the pristine habit of the flesh to the whiteness of faith, which faith is esteemed a defect and blemish in the eyes of the world, and is wholly made new, to be understood to be clean, as being no longer speckled, no longer dappled with the pristine and the new intermixed. If, however, after the reversal of the sentence of uncleanness, aught of the old nature shall have revived with its tendencies, that which was beginning to be thought utterly dead to sin in his flesh must again be judged unclean, and must no more be expiated by the priest. Thus adultery, sprouting again from the pristine stock, and wholly blemishing the unity of the new colour from which it has been excluded, is a defect that admits of no cleansing. Again, in the case of a house, if any spots and cavities in the party walls had been reported to the priests before he entered to inspect that house, he bids all its contents be taken away from it. Thus the belongings of the house would not be unclean. Then the priest, if upon entering, he had found greenish or reddish cavities, and their appearance to the sight deeper down within the body of the party wall, was to go out to the gate and separate the house for a period within seven days. Then, upon returning on the seventh day, if he should have perceived the taint to have become diffused in the party walls, he was to order those stones in which the taint of the leprosy had been, to be extracted and cast away outside the city, into an unclean place, and other stones polished and sound, to be taken and replaced in the stead of the first, and the house to be plastered with other mortar. For in coming to the high priest of the Father, Christ, all impediments must first be taken away, in the space of a week, that the house which remains, the flesh and the soul, may be clean, 
and when the word of god has entered it and has found stains of red and green forthwith must the deadly and sanguinary passions be extracted and cast away out of doors for the apocalypse withal has set death upon a green horse but a warrior upon a red and in their stead must be understrewn stones polished and apt for conjunction and firm such as are made by god into sons of abraham that thus the man may be fit for god but if after the recovery and reformation the high priest again perceived in the same house aught of the pristine disorders and blemishes he pronounced it unclean and bade the timbers and the stones and all the structure of it to be pulled down and cast away into an unclean place this will be the man flesh and soul who subsequently to reformation after baptism and the entrance of the priests again resumes the scabs and stains of the flesh and is cast away outside the city into an unclean place surrendered to it to satan for the destruction of the flesh and is no more rebuilt in the church after his ruin so too with regard to lying with a female slave who had been betrothed to an husband but not yet redeemed not yet set free provision says the law shall be made for her and she shall not die because she was not yet manumitted for him for whom she was being kept for flesh not yet manumitted to christ for whom it was being kept used to be contaminated with impunity so now after manumission it no more receives pardon if the apostles understood these figurative meanings of the law better of course they were more careful with regard to them than even apostolic men but i will descend even to this point of contest now making a separation between the doctrine of apostles and their power discipline governs a man power sets a seal upon him apart from the fact that power is the spirit but the spirit is god what moreover used the spirit to teach that there must be no communicating with the works of darkness observe what he bids who moreover was able to forgive sins this is his alone prerogative for who remitteth sins but god alone and of course who but he can remit mortal sins such as have been committed against himself and against his temple for as far as you are concerned such as are chargeable with offence against you personally you are commanded in the person of peter to forgive even seventy times sevenfold and so if it were agreed that even the blessed apostles had granted any such indulgence to any crime the pardon of which comes from god not from man it would be competent for them to have done so not in the exercise of discipline but of power for they both raised the dead which god alone can do and restored the debilitated to their integrity which none but christ can do nay they inflicted plagues too which christ would not do for it did not beseem him to be severe who had come to suffer smitten were both ananias and elymas ananias with death elymas with blindness in order that by this very fact it might be proved that christ had the power of doing even such miracles so too had the prophets of old granted to the repentant the pardon of murder and therewith of adultery inasmuch as they gave at the same time manifest proofs of severity exhibit therefore even now to me apostolic sir prophetic evidences that i may recognize your divine virtue and vindicate to yourself the power of remitting such sins if however you have had the functions of discipline alone allotted you and the duty of presiding not imperially but ministerially who or how great are you that you should grant indulgence who by exhibiting neither the prophetic nor the apostolic character lack that virtue whose property it is to indulge 
but you say the church has the power of forgiving sins. This I acknowledge and adjudge more than you, I, who have the paraclete himself in the persons of the new prophets, saying, The church has the power to forgive sins, but I will not do it lest they commit others withal. What if a pseudo-prophetic spirit has made that declaration? Nay, but it would have been more the part of a subverter on the one hand to commend himself on the score of clemency, and on the other to influence all others to sin. Or if, again, the pseudo-prophetic spirit has been eager to affect this sentiment in accordance with the spirit of truth, it follows that the spirit of truth has indeed the power of indulgently granting pardon to fornicators, but wills not to do it, if it involve evil to the majority. I now inquire into your opinion to see from what source you usurp this right to the church. If, because the Lord has said to Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church, to thee have I given the keys of the heavenly kingdom, or whatsoever thou shalt have bound or loosed in earth shall be bound or loosed in the heavens, you therefore presume that the power of binding and loosing has derived to you, that is, to every church akin to Peter, what sort of man are you, subverting and wholly changing the manifest intention of the Lord, conferring, as that intention did, this gift personally upon Peter? On thee, he says, will I build my church, and I will give to thee the keys, not to the church, and whatsoever thou shalt have loosed or bound, not what they shall have loosed or bound. For so with all the result teachers. In Peter himself the church was reared, that is, through Peter himself. Peter himself essayed the key. You see what key? Men of Israel, let what I say sink into your ears. Jesus the Nazarene, a man destined by God for you, and so forth. Peter himself, therefore, was the first to unbar in Christ's baptism the entrance to the heavenly kingdom, in which kingdom are loosed the sins that were before time bound, and those which have not been loosed are bound in accordance with true salvation, and Ananias he bound with the bond of death, and the weak in his feet he absolved from his defect of health. Moreover, in that dispute about the observance or non-observance of the law, Peter was the first of all to be endued with the Spirit, and, after making preface touching the calling of the nations, to say, And now, why are ye tempting the Lord concerning the imposition upon the brethren of a yoke, which neither we nor our fathers were able to support? But, however, through the grace of Jesus we believe that we shall be saved in the same way as they. This sentence both loosed those parts of the law which were abandoned, and bound those which were reserved. Hence the power of loosing and of binding committed to Peter had nothing to do with the capital sins of believers. And if the Lord had given him a precept that he must grant pardon to a brother sinning against him, even seventy times sevenfold, of course he would have commanded him to bind, that is, to retain, nothing subsequently, unless perchance such sins as one may have committed against the Lord, not against a brother. For the forgiveness of sins committed in the case of a man is a prejudgment against the remission of sins against God. What now has this to do with the church and your church indeed, psychic? For in accordance with the person of Peter, it is to spiritual men that this power will correspondently appertain, either to an apostle or else to a prophet. For the very church itself is properly and principally the Spirit himself, in whom is the trinity of the one divinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit combines that church which the Lord has made to consist in three. And thus, from that time forward, every number of persons, 
who may have combined together into this faith as accounted a church from the author and consecrator of the church and accordingly the church it is true will forgive sins but it will be the church of the spirit by means of a spiritual man not the church which consists of a number of bishops for the right and arbitrament is the lord's not the servants god's himself not the priests but you go so far as to lavish this power upon martyrs withal no sooner has any one acting on a preconceived arrangement put on the bonds bonds moreover which in the nominal custody now in vogue are soft ones than adulterers beset him fornicators gain access to him instantly prayers echo around him instantly pools of tears from the eyes of all the polluted surround him nor are there any who are more diligent in purchasing entrance into the prison than they who have lost the fellowship of the church men and women are violated in the darkness with which the habitual indulgence of lust has plainly familiarized them and they seek peace at the hands of those who are risking their own others betake them to the mines and return in the character of communicants from thence where by this time another martyrdom is necessary for sins committed after martyrdom well who on earth and in the flesh is faultless what martyr continues to be an inhabitant of the world supplicating pence in hand subject to physician and usurer suppose now your martyr beneath the glaive with head already steadily poised suppose him on the cross with body already outstretched suppose him at the stake with the lion already let loose suppose him on the axle with the fire already heaped in the very certainty i say and possession of martyrdom who permits man to condone offences which are to be reserved for god by whom those offences have been condemned without discharge which not even apostles so far as i know martyrs with all themselves have judged condonable in short paul had already fought with beasts at ephesus when he decreed destruction to the incestuous person let it suffice to the martyr to have purged his own sins it is the part of ingratitude or of pride to lavish upon others also what one has obtained at a high price who has redeemed another's death by his own but the son of god alone for even in his very passion he set the robber free for to this end had he come that being himself pure from sin and in all respects holy he might undergo death on behalf of sinners similarly you who emulate him in condoning sins if you yourself have done no sin plainly suffer in my stead if however you are a sinner how will the oil of your puny torch be able to suffice for you and for me i have even now a test whereby to prove the presence of christ in you if christ is in the martyr for this reason that the martyr may absolve adulterers and fornicators let him tell publicly the secrets of the heart that he may thus concede pardon to sins and he in christ for thus it was that the lord jesus christ showed his power why think ye evil in your hearts for which is easier to say to the paralytic thy sins are remitted thee or rise and walk therefore that ye may know the son of man to have the power upon earth of remitting sins i say to thee paralytic rise and walk if the lord set so much store by the proof of his power as to reveal thoughts and so impart health by his command lest he should not be believed to have the power of remitting sins it is not lawful for me to believe the same power to reside in any one whoever he be without the same proofs 
in the act however of urgently entreating from a martyr's pardon for adulterers and fornicators you yourself confess that crimes of that nature are not to be washed away except by the martyrdom of the criminal himself while you presume they can be washed away by another's if this is so then martyrdom will be another baptism for i have withal saith he another baptism whence too it was that there flowed out of the wound in the lord's side water and blood the materials of either baptism i ought then by the first baptism too to have the right of setting another free if i can by the second and we must necessarily force upon the mind of our opponents this conclusion whatever authority whatever reason restores ecclesiastical peace to the adulterer and fornicator the same will be bound to come to the aid of the murderer and idolater in their repentance at all events of the apostate and of course of him whom in the battle of his confession after hard struggling with torments savagery has overthrown besides it were unworthy of god and of his mercy who prefers the repentance of a sinner to his death that they should have easier return into the bosom of the church who have fallen in heat of passion than they who have fallen in hand-to-hand -hand combat indignation urges us to speak contaminated bodies you will recall rather than gory ones which repentance is more pitiable that which prostrates tickled flesh or lacerated which pardon is in all causes more justly concessible that which a voluntary or that which an involuntary sinner implores no one is compelled with his will to apostatize no one against his will commits fornication lust is exposed to no violence except itself it knows no coercion whatever apostasy on the contrary what ingenuities of butchery and tribes of penal inflictions in force which has more truly apostatized he who has lost christ amid agonies or he who has done so amid delights he who when losing him grieved or he who when losing him sported and yet those scars graven on the christian combatants scars of course enviable in the eyes of christ because they yearned after conquest and thus also glorious because failing to conquer they yielded scars after which even the devil himself yet sighs scars with an infelicity of their own but a chaste one with a repentance that mourns but blushes not to the lord for pardon will anew be remitted to such because their apostasy was expiable in their case alone is the flesh weak nay no flesh so strong as that which crushes out the spirit end of on modesty part three by tertullian